Hello, everyone. My name is Abhinav Sharma. I'm an assistant professor here at McGill University in the Division of Cardiology. It brings great pleasure to speak with you today. There are so many innovations taking place to enhance heart failure patient care from coast to coast in Canada. These interviews have been produced to share some of these innovations with you. I've had the pleasure to discuss with various Canadian experts about the innovative protocols or initiatives that they have led and instituted to improve outcomes for patients with heart failure and ensure that their treatments are truly optimized. The series of short interviews will provide you with some insights into what is happening in other parts of the country. We hope that you will be inspired to implement some of these initiatives within your institute to help improve patient outcomes for those with heart failure. This program is made possible with support from Novartis Pharmaceuticals Canada Incorporated. Thank you very much and please enjoy. Hello everyone. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Anik Ducharme. Uh, Dr. Ducharme, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, I'm a heart failure transplant cardiologist at Montreal Heart Institute. I'm the founder and the director of the heart failure clinic here. So a lot of, uh, of work these days. I can understand it must be a very hectic time with everything that's going on. So Dr. Ducharme, I understand that you have a new medication continuum uh, initiative that's being developed. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. What we do, uh, we have an order uh, set when the patients are admitted so that we don't have to write down every single line. And what we've decided is uh, since an hospital admission is somehow uh, that the treatment we have is not extremely successful, now we've uh, implemented that uh, in the list of medication, if the patient is already on an ACE inhibitors and a patient has a heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, what we do it is almost mandatory that you switch. So you stop the ACE. And at the beginning, uh, we were a bit worried that if you stop the ACE inhibitors, you have 36 hours of washout before uh, starting the sacubitril valsartan. So what we've done is as soon as a patient is in, the patient is automatically switched to valsartan without the sacubitril uh, components. So that at least if the patient is discharged or leaves or there's something happening and uh, they're going with a, a list of medication that includes a renin-angiotensin system inhibitor because we have at the beginning, like that was two years and a half ago, a few patients that was discharged on um, well weekend and they we were afraid that they would leave with no RAS inhibitors, especially mm -hmm. if they're discharged within the 36 hours. Understood. So can you tell us a little bit about the need for such an initiative? I mean, why, why uh, did you have to develop the system? Uh, we understand that there's a lot of evidence around Secubitril, Valsartan, and so um, what was the impetus to develop this, uh, this platform of yours? Well, well, the goal was mostly to uniformize uh, the practice uh, because we're a heart-only hospital, but we all have our own specialties. Some are EPs, interventional cardiologists, or heart failure transplant. So we want to make sure that every patient gets the best treatment regardless of who's going to be the attending. And uh, so that was the main rationale behind that. Okay. And so since initiating this um, medication sort of a continuum or medication platform of yours, have you noticed an increase in the use of evidence-based therapies for the treatment of patients with heart failure and reduced ejection fraction? 
Well, now once they, they, they're seen at the heart failure clinic for the first time, I'm not the majority, but I would say almost, uh, at, yeah, almost half are already on succubital vasoartan. Obviously, you have new patients that were not, uh, uh, didn't have their month of RAS inhibitor, which is the rules in Quebec before switching. Mm -hmm. But I would say there's much more uh, evidence-based uh, treatment. And not, interestingly, not only for this agent, but also for MRE. So we're pretty happy with that. And do you find that in general across Canada, there is a low use of these therapies, hence the need for such um, programs to optimize the use of evidence-based therapies that have mortality and morbidity um, uh, reduction evidence in patients with heart failure and reduced ejection fraction? I don't have the data for whole Canada, but I have the data for the 43 clinics uh, in uh, Quebec Heart Failure Society. And we know that just about uh, above half of the patient have MRA and uh, below 50% have uh, secretarial bisartan. So there's a huge gap uh, that, that we need to fill. So we're trying, obviously this is not much only in our hospital, but we're trying to do it uh, on a, try to improve the care of those patients. And uh, can you tell us a little bit from your experience as to some of the reasons for maybe the inertia to initiate some of these evidence-based therapies uh, from your experience and that of your colleagues? Uh, what are some of the barriers to implementing these uh, medications? Well, I'm not sure there's inertia, that's for sure. But there's also, uh, when a patient comes in hospital, they stayed less than five days and you have to start all those medication. So I think it needs time to implement those treatment. So there's certainly some part of inertia, but there's also some physiological limitation. If the patient has like a blood pressure of 80, we cannot start everything at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think the goal is really to work as a team with, we're working a lot with pharmacists and uh, nurse practitioner and nurse clinician so that everybody in the same, um, going in the same direction, because it's very easy if the patient say, okay, I have fatigue. Oh, it's your beta blocker. I just stopped it. So uh, I think it's really a team effort to try to improve that. Uh, but we, we need to do better. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about if other hospitals want to implement such a system, uh, is there a place where they can go to find out more information about uh, what you've done and some of the experiences you've had with this type of system? Because I could imagine that a lot of uh, programs, uh, whether it's heart failure or cardiology, would like to find ways to increase the use of evidence-based therapies. Where can they find out more about what you're doing? I will be happy to share. In fact, we're probably going to share within a month uh, on the uh, Canadian Heart Failure Society uh, website, and which has also a French site, which is insuffisancecardiaque.ca. So I think it's easier See, anybody in, a, in the team can share it without any problem. The goal is really to improve care to those patients. And when it comes to actually increasing the therapies, do you find that there's ever barriers from um, the institutional side? So for example, maybe some of the drugs are not available on formulary or it's harder to initiate these uh, medications as an inpatient. Um, or do you find that some of the barriers come from physicians being a little bit more uncomfortable to start these medications and therapies? Uh, just from your own experience, um, have you seen any of these uh, come into play? 
Well, I, th I think uh, many of them uh, come into play. The uh, obviously you have the patients who always tell us that they take too many drugs and they want to get rid of one or two. So this is an obvious one. Uh, from the, the institution perspective here, the pharmacists are very much involved in the heart failure care. So I don't see a lot of barrier on that matters. But obviously, uh, we have data for de novo patient in an hospital. But if the patient has not been on a RAS inhibitor for at least a month, it is not reimbursed. So this is a major barrier, I would say. Mm -hmm. And the other one that is very, I would say, specific to COVID-19, but not unique to the situation we're living, patients are afraid to go and get their labs done, uh, labs done and it's very difficult to implement a uh, treatment without having the creatinine and the potassium. So that, I would say those are the main uh, barrier. And other one is, especially in a patient uh, class two, patients are doing fine. So both the physician and sometimes the phys uh, physician and the patients are a bit reluctant. Why would you change something that works? Even though we know that a, such a thing as a class two stable patient does not really exist because they're at high risk of having cardiovascular events. Uh, completely understood. And uh, certainly it takes a lot of discussion between the healthcare providers and the individuals with heart failure and reduced ejection fraction for them to communicate why these medications are needed. And I completely agree that sometimes um, there's a little bit of pushback because people feel they're on too many medications. But of course, uh, a lot of these uh, do have the ability to improve uh, morbidity and mortality and improve symptoms as well. And so uh, uh, speaking of COVID-19, uh, can you tell us a little bit about how your clinical practice has changed um, since the pandemic with regards to your ability to manage patients with heart failure and reduce ejection fraction? Uh, well, for the uh, the outpatient, uh, I would say a regular out, uh, cardiology clinic, the majority have switched to uh, either Zoom or uh, phone conversation, which is okay. I would say sometimes it's difficult. Okay, you have swelling. It's a lot of swelling, a bit of swelling, and, and it's not always easy. At the heart failure clinic, we've reduced by 50% the in-person visit, but we feel that it's still very important to see them. Uh, we have to convince them we're on the uh, on the side of the research center, so uh, far from the in-hospital. Uh, and we're an hospital that is called COVID-free or just about, so it's difficult to convince the patient to come in. Uh, mm. But I think it's in, in many uh, areas, it's mandatory. For all the uh, optimization of medication, they're done over the phone, but the patient comes in the day before in the afternoon where there's nobody in the, to do the blood test. There's no waiting line. They just have a number and they're called the day after uh, with their blood pressure and uh, heart rate to be taken. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for sharing some of your thoughts and your experiences. And we look forward to seeing uh, some of the data uh, on the Canadian Heart Failure website. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much.